So the song, like Jonathan mentioned, is, is Good Grace. And the fun fact, I'll tell you a fun fact. I love fun facts. So I'm going to share one with you about the song, is that the song has a second name. And first service, there wasn't a whole lot of excitement about the name, so I don't think it's going to stick. So, hey, I'm going to give it a second shot. If you guys like it, let's make it stick, okay? The, the second title of the song, is, it's called The Hug Song, okay? <laughs> don't, tell, don't tell first service, but second service is my new favorite, so. <laughs> that'll just be, that'll be our little secret, and I guess live stream secret, so. <laughs> I didn't think of that part, but. But the reason why, though, is the author of the song wanted the song to be embracing. He wanted it to be something that was for everyone, that everybody can go to this song and feel embraced and feel welcomed and feel like they are a part of the family. Amen. So with that being said, the song Good Grace is about God's grace for us. And what God's grace is, is his embrace Amen. of us. Amen. That no matter what we do or what we say, no matter what we've done in the past, that he is always there for us, ready with arms stretched out, accepting us as we come. We experience his grace when we experience his embrace. His embrace is like a warm hug, that feeling of love and peace. Sometimes hugs can be intimidating, though. We have our reservations. We have our assumptions. We have, you know, our own level of expectations that kind of make us not want to embrace others or embrace God. But it's God's grace that allows us to put those walls down, to get rid of those reservations and assumptions. We can go in knowing that we truly experience God's grace that there, not, that there are no expectations or standards that need to be met. Amen. That we can really just enjoy his love and mercy. And that when we finally choose to embrace that grace, that's when we can show that grace and, and embrace other people as well. So I kind of said a lot. When I practiced this, it kind of felt like a little bit of a tongue twister. So I practiced it a few more times. Hopefully it came out smooth. <laughs> but what I want to do now is go on this journey together and look at an example of what God's embrace looks like. So we're going to take a look at the story of the lost son, or also known as like the prodigal son. And if you know that story, perfect. If not, even better. Let's go and experience this together. So what I'm going to kind of do is I'm going to kind of tell the story in my own way a little bit, and I'm going to pick it up about halfway through or so, and then I'm going to read exactly kind of what it's saying. So if you'd like, we're going to be in Luke 15, and we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 32. So the story begins with a father and two sons. The father has an inheritance for both of his sons, and the younger son wants his inheritance now. He says, hey, I don't want to wait. I want my money now. Let me, you know, hook it up. So the father says, okay. I'll, that's kind of exactly how I think he'd like to say it, too. Right. When I picture it in my head, you know, it's kind of like, hey, show me the money. Right. The father, you know, pulls it out, right? But, so this, the younger son gets his money, and he leaves. He gets what he wants, and then he's out. That's it. I don't even know. He probably didn't even say thank you, realistically. Right. It, it, again, picturing it in my head, he probably didn't even drop a thank you. Like, right. he, he collected his money and left. Right. What he does, though, is he goes and blows all of his money. It's kind of like, you know, if you ask people, like, hey, what would you do if you win the lottery? I mean, I don't play the lottery, but if I did and if I won, I'm blowing it. I'm going all out for like a hard two, three hours. That money's going to be gone. And hey, if you don't believe me, buy me a ticket and hey, maybe I'll win. And then we'll find out, right? 
Okay, I'm going to go back to the script. Hold on. <laughs> okay, I keep going off script, but. He goes and he blows all the money on wild living. It doesn't tell us exactly what he does, but you can probably imagine what he blows that money on. Yeah. As soon as he blows that money, there's a famine in the whole country, and he became to be in need. He ended up hiring himself out as a citizen of the country, and his job was to send the food out to the pigs. He became so hungry that he even considered eating from the pods that the pigs ate out of, but not even that was enough to satisfy him. Hey, I like to eat, okay? I don't hide that. You can see it. I ain't afraid. I ain't shy. But, and I've been hungry. I've been pretty hungry on the verge of hangry. To be fair, okay? But I don't know if I've ever been hungry enough to eat the slop that the pigs eat, right? Like, that's, there's a line, and I'm not jumping that one, okay? He then finally comes to his senses, and he realizes that even his father's hired hands have enough food to eat and then some to spare. So he decides that he's going to go back to his father and apologize and see if he can be one of his hired hands. He thinks, I'm going to go back, I'm going to apologize. He feels like he's lost that sonship. That if he goes back to his father, that he has to be a hired hand. Yeah. That he doesn't, he doesn't feel like he's worthy enough to be called his son anymore for what he did. So that's where I'm going to pick the story up. And I'm going to read verses 20 and I'll read the rest of it through 32. It says, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to the son, threw his arm, arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring me the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property property and with prostitutes comes home you kill the fattened calf for him my son the father said you are always with me and everything i have is yours but we had to celebrate and be glad because the brother of yours was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found i feel like this story is a good example of this what the song good grace wants us to know and what god wants us to know about his grace and his embrace I think the story shows us these things in a couple different ways. When the father sees his son out in the distance, he runs to him. He didn't wait for the son to get to the property. Hold on. Sorry. <clears throat> I'm new. I'm new. I'm not used to this mic stuff, okay? Listen, bear with me. Anyways, where was I? So. The father runs to him. He embraces him. He doesn't wait for the son to get there. He just goes out and runs to him, gives him a hug, gives him a kiss, and puts the best robe on him, puts a ring on his finger, and sandals on his feet. He's excited, he, and he tells his servants to go kill the fattest calf and throw a feast for him. He made this grand experience for his son to return to him. And that's what God wants us to do. That's what God does when he sees and 
when he finally sees that we realize and we come to, our, come to our own senses and we turn back to God, God rushes out to us. He's right there. He wants us. He wants that relationship with us. He embraces us with arms open wide. But then we see the older brother is quite furious that after all this, the younger brother did. He got the treatment that he did. The older brother even says to his father, I've slaved for you. I've been loyal to you. I've never complained or anything, and you haven't even given me a goat to celebrate with my friends. And I think that's when the reservations and the walls are put up, that we have this worldly mentality that since I've done these things, I should be getting this. I should be the one that gets the fattened calf. I should be the one that gets the best robe, the ring on my finger. Why am I not getting what I feel like I deserve? You know, he says that he was loyal to him and that he's never left him. And the father tells him, I, everything I have is yours. You've always been with me. But let's rejoice because of your brother who was once lost has been found again. He wants the brother to see that it's more important that the brother has come back than the party itself. It's not about the party. It's about the fact that the brother has returned home. And it's not until we fix our focus on our Heavenly Father and realize that, yes, that we might not be getting the party here on earth that we think we deserve, but we have a party, an everlasting party, in heaven waiting for us. Amen. That even though, you know, we're upset here, it's, it's up there. It's waiting for us. Heaven, hey, that's going to be a party that you're going to want to be at. Yeah. I can't speak on experience, but, hey. I'm going to just throw that out there. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Be ready. Okay? Imagine if we did what the father did, if we did what the lost son did, that we realize God's grace is his embrace of us, that we don't need to be a certain way, that we don't have to look a certain way, we don't got to dress a certain way, we don't have to talk a certain way, that all we have to do is go to him, is to, to run to him, to be with him. And that, you know, that we can be like the Father as well, that when we truly experience his embrace, that we can show that grace to other people as well. So that once we get it, it's so contagious that we want to spread that to everybody else. And it looks something like this. The song says, fix our eyes on this one truth, that God is madly in love with you. Fixing our eyes on God and seeing that love and grace and the embrace that he has of us and not looking at ourselves in the things that we did, but looking at him and focusing on him. Amen. I want to share an illustration with you guys. It says, in Greek mythology, the sirens would sing enchanting songs, drawing sailors irresistibly toward the rocks in certain shipwrecks. Odysseus filled his crew's ears with wax and had them tie him to the mast. Orpheus, on the other hand, played such beautiful music on his harp that the sailors ignored the seductions of the siren's song. The grace of the gospel sings a far more glorious song than the enticements of sin. If only we have the faith to hear its music. The song also says, all the praise goes up as the walls comes down, as the walls come down. I know for myself, I put in my notes occasionally, but I feel like it's way more than occasionally. Probably like, I mean, I don't want to rat myself out, but probably more than it should be. I'm like the older brother. I get upset. I feel like I'm due more than what the world gives me, that I should be getting treated better, that that I shouldn't, you know, have hardship because of, of what I do and what I'm doing. You know, and, and it makes me put these walls up. It makes me put my guard up. It makes it harder for me to embrace God and for me to embrace others. And so I have to remind myself that when I'm focused on God, that when I fix my eyes on the truth that he's madly in love with us, that when I'm praising God, that when I focus all my praise and all my being on him, 
those walls come down. That I see the bigger picture. That I realize that I have an everlasting party in heaven waiting for me. That everything on this matter, on this earth doesn't matter. It's all going to wither away. It's not everlasting like heaven is. The song says, come together, strangers, neighbors, our blood is one. When we can bring all of this together, when we can fix our eyes on God, when we can put all of our praise towards God, that's when we can really come as one. That even though we started out strange as neighbors, or, yeah, sorry, well, that it. Whoop, go back, hold on, hold up, I had it right. That even though that we were strangers, that even though we didn't know each other, I, I mean, I know what it felt like when I first came, it was a little intimidating, it was, you know, I didn't know anybody, but now I wouldn't trade this place for anything. Like, we've, we have a family that we are a family, and that our family is more than just this building. That it's the people, that it's everybody around us. One of my favorite movies is Remember the Titans. And the movies, the movies, hey, right, right, hey, there it is. Man, second service is on top of it, man. First service was all quiet. They were like, you know, hey, it's early, but I'm here. Second service, hey, what? Okay, okay. It's one of my favorite movies, though. It's all about racial injustice and, and hating the person that's different than you, hating the person that's opposite of you. And then the coach comes in, and he changes the culture. He shows that we can be family, that even though you're strangers and you were taught to hate each other, that you can love each other and be a family. A specific scene in the movie is one of the characters gets in a car wreck, and he ends up in the hospital. And one of the teammates goes to visit him, and the nurse in the room tells the teammate that only family are allowed in the room that... They're not allowing, you know, visitors outside the family. The character in the bed turns to the nurse and says, are you crazy? I was like, do you see the resemblance? That's my brother right there. Like, he's allowed to come in. And that's what it's all about right there is, is seeing that even though we're different, even though we may not look alike or, or talk alike or, or think alike, that we're family, that we belong together, that we're not different just because of those things. And not only that, too, that that they were able to see each other's family, that nurse got to experience what that looks like as well. That is contagious. It, it, go, it spreads. When we do that, when we do that to each other, other people see that, and then it, it just grows. It spreads. And that's what it's about. And I wanna, so I want to invite you guys on this journey with me as we strive to embrace God and his grace for us so that then we can share the grace in others that we got to experience with others, and we can be a community of everyday people committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to come. Will you guys pray with me? God, we truly do thank you for being a God that is loving, for a God that is graceful, who wants to embrace us, who wants us to turn towards him. God, I ask that you just be with me and everybody in this room, on the live stream, in this world, to just be able to experience that embrace, that love that you have for us. 